Alrighty, and welcome back uh, to the Norwood Noise Podcast. It has been a minute since we talked to you, um, but we are just going to get rolling back again. Uh, we were, we decided last week uh, we we're going to wait until we we're going to push the Wednesday episode back. We we're going to wait until after the Xavier Ohio State game, um, and then uh, with both Graham and I getting kicked out of the dorms last week, uh, it was just kind of a hectic couple days. Um, so unfortunately, it didn't end up working out where we had a time to record. Um, but we are back here now, uh, staying on that weekly Wednesday episode. So we got one for you today here, Wednesday, November 24th. Got a lot to recap um, here, and we're going to try and keep it under an hour for you. So we're going to roll through it here in a condensed uh, fashion. But let's get started right away with kind of, if we go furthest back in the timeline, back to the beginning, um, we're going to start back at UCLA Nova. That was kind of the first big game um, after we last talked. Um, it was that weekend in Pauley Pavilion. UCLA played Nova, um, and Graham, if you want, you know, kind of talk about what happened there and uh, and get us rolling. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it started off with relatively close game, and then find found its way to an overtime shootout. UCLA taking the cake, seventy-seven to eighty-six in their favor. Um, really great performances by Jacquez and Juzang duo combined for like 46 points. Um, and it was really rocking atmosphere at Pauley Pavilion. Um, I'm really hoping that, the, that this game is like a trend for um, these games to come, that more home games, not just these non-conference tournaments. Um, I think Villanova looked okay. And we'll touch on it. And the next time we talk about Villanova, which will be the Purdue game, they only played eight kids, two of which barely played off the bench. So you can't have a six-man rotation in college basketball, especially against a deep UCLA team. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I, d- I totally agree with you on the um, the piece of getting you know getting teams out of their comfort zone and into an away environment. I always like seeing that and seeing what they can bring from that. So it's definitely a good. Uh, a good, a, you know, hopefully a trend that's going to continue to start. And I, and I do think, um, you know, I know Chris Beard has said in multiple interviews uh, this year talking about Texas and, and how they went away to Gonzaga, um, which is kind of the next game we're going to touch on, but um, how they went away to Gonzaga. He said that's a, a trend he would like to continue. Um, excuse me. And, he, and also something that, you know, he would like to continue to schedule that way. So I hope I hope we do continue to see that. Um, moving into that Gonzaga Texas game, that was so so UCLA Nova was that Friday night, um, Gonzaga Texas uh, was that Saturday night. Um, that was a a blowout from the start. I mean, Gonzaga came out hot. Um, they're up twenty at halftime, um, off of a ridiculous half court buzzer beater. I don't know if you saw that um, at halftime, so that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, that was Rashir Bolton that hit that. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, but point being, uh, yeah, just from the jump, um, Gonzaga looked good. And, and I really do think, like, you know, big takeaways are, I mean, obviously Timmy, you know, having a great game there. Um, but, like, Gonzaga just has so many weapons. I, I think it's unbelievable. I mean, Chet Holmgren has been unbelievable to start the year. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I... I just don't know what, like, 
he seems like one of those guys that's going to be really hard to find an answer for defensively. Um, he looks like a very slight human being. Um, like from, you know, the outside perspective, you look at him, you're like, dude, it looks like a stiff breeze could blow that guy over. And then he's, he's in there, you know, banging bodies with some of the larger guys. Um, and he seems to not have an issue. Um, still averaging like three and a half blocks a game. So that's, I mean, that, you can't argue with that. Um, Sure. And yeah, I mean, big performance against uh, against Texas for him, but even bigger uh, last night against UCLA, um, which we'll touch on here in just a minute. But yeah, that, I mean, that was a seriously impressive performance. And yeah, I mean, Mark Few's team put away Chris Beard's Texas team very, very quickly in that game uh, in Spokane. And again, same with the UCLA Nova game. Really cool to see it in Spokane. We've never seen a high-profile team like that go to... Um, Spokane, and so to see a one v five matchup in Spokane was really was really something special, and they, and I think the students really loved it and appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so and I mean we can keep rolling uh, with the Gonzaga train and, and talk a little bit about last night, um, that UCLA Gonzaga yeah. game. I mean that was it really was again same it's almost same as the Texas game. It was over from the start. Right. Uh, with the UCLA Gonzaga game, I mean, to backtrack a little bit, I mean, Chet only had two points in the Texas game, but his, his presence was definitely felt. Absolutely. And um, and then you look at the UCLA Gonzaga game, and he has an efficient 15 points with six rebounds, pairs it with four blocks, then Dunbar has 24, and you're getting 20 from Timmy. I mean, they just looked unstoppable last night. Yeah, no, absolutely. They really looked like uh, like that top team in the nation. Now, I don't know if that's a combination thereof, because um, there was some speculation, and Graham, even you touched on this, there was some speculation of UCLA early. Um, you know, are they really that good? So it's it's confusing and seeing like, okay, well, they took care of Nova, um, but you do have to keep in mind that that was a home game against Nova in a packed poly pavilion, because um, you don't see crowds like that at UCLA. Um, it, it was pretty nuts to see that. And two, I mean, and we'll get to this, you know, we can kind of roll into this now um, with Purdue and Nova, but Nova got pretty handled by uh, Purdue. And granted, you know, I think both of us agree that Purdue is definitely an, an elite top team. Um, but again, so Purdue handles Nova. Um, UCLA also beats Nova, but, you know, the question always is, is like, is Nova that good? Uh, because really, I mean, UCLA, there's been a lot of speculation of them not being, you know, that not being number two, you know, not saying they aren't ranked, but not, not being that number two, uh, team in the country really. Um, and so moving off that and we'll kind of see how that, um, impacts the rankings next week. We are still, you know, a few days away from a new AP top 25, but, um, definitely we'll be interested to see how that kind of all lines out. Um, but yeah, to transition, I mean, Purdue Nova on Sunday, um, unfortunately, it kind of stunk because that was a great tournament, right? So we've got this this four-team tournament. Um, couldn't even tell you the name of it, honestly. I think it was the Hall of Fame Classic, um, I believe, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, so we've got, on the first day, we've got Tennessee Nova and Purdue North Carolina, two good top 25 matchups. Um, and then, of course, everything works out perfectly. So you've got a top a 5v6 matchup in Purdue and Nova, and then uh, 16-17 in UNC, Tennessee. So it ended up working out perfectly where you get those very closely ranked teams together. 
um, put them up against each other and kind of see what they uh, have going at it on a neutral court. Um, again, you know, it would be something cool to kind of see one of those games, you know, in you know, at Purdue Nova in Philadelphia or in Mackey Arena. Um, but again, not the end of the world. You know, those those are good setups there, and, and we do get some good matchups there um, with that four team setup. Um, and to, to add on to that, I mean, Purdue looks really good. Yes. So far. And they look deep. But on the other hand, Villanova, <coughs> you know, they play like six, six, seven guys. Yeah. And one of which being Archie Akina's little brother, who is not really a caliber player right now. I mean, when you. And when you're looking ahead and you play the Big East with teams like um, Butler and UConn, St. John's and Xavier that are all like eight, nine, even ten guys deep, I mean, that's going to be hard to play an entire regular season with only six contributing guys. That's something to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to keep an eye on that too. And I think, I think it's a little bit of an interesting kind of setup, you know, this year and the way it's you know looking here at least at the beginning of the conference and granted I believe Jay Wright I know Jay Wright will put something together they'll help you know make it work but if you look at it I mean it's it seems almost as if Nova's a little bit coming back to the pack a little bit you know kind of starting to slide back to that middle of the rankings um, in the top 25 there and kind of coming back to the pack while you know UConn looks really good early Xavier looks really good early Seton Hall got a huge road win against Michigan um and so, and granted, again, that's another one of those things. Is Michigan that good? Because Michigan took two losses in a week to unranked teams. But point being, you know, you've got these these emerging, you know, almost considered second-tier Big East teams coming up, and you've got Nova sliding back a little bit. So I think we really could be in for a great Big East battle this year uh, conference-wise and kind of seeing where that uh, ends up lining out to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next game we're going to talk about was the Wisconsin-Houston game. Um, if you, if you want to go ahead first on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so last night, uh, Houston, Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin getting a slight edge over Houston, um, in that one. Um, you know, it's funny. I was getting on, I saw a lot of, a lot of action on Twitter about this saying, oh, well now when's Wisconsin going to be ranked? Cause you know, they just took care of a, a pretty solid opponent in, uh, in Houston. And I think. You know, we should probably pump the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, it was a 2.1, two-point win, 65-63. Um, Houston getting the win there. Uh, or, excuse me, Wisconsin getting the win there. Um, but, you know, I mean, Houston, I think, is still a top 25 team. I don't think they need to be concerned about that at all. Um, and Wisconsin, while they did pull out that win, they do still have that Gavit Games loss to uh, Providence. So, you know, you got to keep an eye on that. I don't think Providence is that good. I don't think that loss to Providence is going to help them very much um, in the long run. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, I think we saw a little bit more out of Wisconsin than we thought we were going to um, last night. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, I mean, that and was... To add, and to add, sorry, yeah, to add fine. to Wisconsin's um, game last night, I mean, Johnny Davis had 30 points. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of came out of, the, out of nowhere last year, seven points per game as a freshman. And now he's averaging, averaging 20, scoring 30 against a good Houston team. Yeah, absolutely. He's someone definitely to look out for this year. For sure. Um, and then to kind of keep rolling on uh, on last night's results, really, I mean, we already touched on Gonzaga UCLA, but the other couple big ones were Illinois, um, 
taking care of K State, but not but not convincingly. Um, and so that I mean that was uh, Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City. So a little bit I mean not a home game for K State, uh, but definitely a pro Kansas State crowd um, in Kansas City. But yeah, just definitely something to keep an eye on um, there with Illinois and Kansas State. I mean it, you know Illinois took care of them, but again um, Illinois does still have uh, those two losses. Um, with that loss to Marquette in the Gavit tip-off games, that dropped them four spots in the rankings, and losing to uh, University of Cincinnati um, on Monday night. Definitely something to keep an eye on. And I mean, they they didn't just lose to you know Cincinnati; like they got handled. That was a twenty-point loss. Cincinnati mm-hmm. taking care of them, seventy-one to fifty-one. So um, definitely interesting to see that. Um, and I mean, I've heard you know from interviews and such like that that. Uh, a lot of Cincinnati players think they're playing for the best coach in the country right now, um, which will be interesting. That's definitely something to keep an eye on. Wes Miller, obviously, a lot of promise, a little bit younger guy, um, following in the footsteps of Mick Cronin there at UC, which obviously Mick Cronin, you know, put together a great 12, I think it was 12 or 14-year tenure there. Um, pretty sure it's 12 years. Um, <laughs> great 12-year tenure there, you know, with the Bearcats and and obviously got himself you know a huge upgrade in a job going to ucla and has put together a great program there so we'll see what west miller can bring um to that uc program he's um in his fourth year now so he's kind of starting to get his feet under himself get his first you know sets of recruiting classes and stuff like that um but definitely interesting to see uh with that and and, and again yeah like we'll see what what they can bring uc did end up losing that um that hall of fame classic uh, championship game last night uh, to Arkansas. Um, they lost by six. Arkansas finished the game on a 7-0 run. So, you know, very uh, very close all the way through. Um, and again, something to just keep an eye on there with UC. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati was led both nights by uh, David DeJulius. He had 24 last night uh, for the Bearcats. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. Sure. Um. Next team we're going to touch on is St. Bonaventure. Now starting the year 5-0, and exceeding expectations to some. With good wins against Marquette and Clemson. The team definitely to look out for. Um, I mean, I think they're making a good statement to the rest of the NCAA that you can schedule mid-majors that are good, and it's going to be a good game. It, you don't. Have, there's no longer like the sense of like trap games or like, what, whatever the feeling is nowadays. Right. Um, next team we're going to talk about is a Michigan-Arizona game. I mean, it's two really flip sides of the coin. Michigan, two losses to unranked teams. Right. Um, main guys aren't performing that well. Um, definitely not living up to the expectations of the season. At the same time, Arizona playing really well. Under Tommy Lloyd, the Gonzaga assistant coach, um, which is it's cool to see that you know Mark Few's kind of starting his own assistant tree, and now that Arizona's playing so well, it'll be interesting to see where they're headed. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I definitely think that's something that um, you know you you got to keep an got to keep an eye on there, and, and I do think you know kind of similar to the West Miller situation. I think that Tommy Lloyd, kind of a new coach, um, got a good program. I, I think there's a lot of upside uh, coming for that for that Arizona team and for that you know for that school. Um, I did see Mick Cronin in a couple interviews this week, a couple pressers, 
uh, was talking about how excited he was for uh, Arizona to be playing well and for um, the Pac-12 to be having a little bit more competition there. Um, so I'll definitely be interested to see kind of that. I mean, looking down the road, that UCLA-Arizona game, I'm sure will be uh, a thriller. Um, for sure. On top of that. But, yeah, so that um, will definitely be something to keep an eye on. To squeeze a quick little side note in, your favorite team, St. Thomas. Tommy's I was going to ask. I was like, I was going to ask if you're going to update us on the on the Tommies making that D three uh, to D one jump. For the for those who don't know, you know, a very respectable Division three program made the jump this year from D three to D one. Only one scholarship player on the team who is coming off the bench right now. They are three and three. 500 not many teams can say that and they have a win against niagara who we've seen in action against ohio state and xavier already so just letting you know that the st thomas tommies are here and they're here to stay so <laughs> they're nothing to mess with um all right so yeah definitely uh definitely a fun storyline to kind of keep an eye on throughout the year um, so that pretty much wraps all of the uh, key results over the last few weeks. Um, at least for the most part, I'm sure we missed one or two here and there, but those are the big ones. Um, so we'll do a quick look ahead um, to kind of Thanksgiving weekend uh, games that are upcoming. So I'll just touch on all the ranked games. So this is as of Wednesday. So coming up this evening, uh, ranked teams that are playing. We got Michigan's got a game against Tartleton uh, State. Again, should be able to handle that one. Um, and then you've got Xavier plays Iowa State tonight, two undefeated teams. Iowa State kind of written off as like, okay, they're going to be the bottom dwellers in that Big 12 conference. Um, but so far, uh, four wins, nothing crazy. I mean, they'd be, they'd be Grambling, Alabama State, Kennesaw State, and Oregon State. So nothing wild, nothing, you know, crazy. So this will be their first real test of the season. Um but we'll see what they have to bring. Obviously, Xavier Rowland, after that win against Ohio State last week, we'll get to all that later in the Musketeer Minute. Or Musketeer Minutes. Um, but yeah, definitely interested to see what that uh, what they bring. Uh, Houston um, plays Oregon tonight. So Houston, um, obviously coming off that loss earlier um, against Wisconsin, or last night against Wisconsin. Um, and Oregon previously ranked... Um, but after two early losses uh, early on in the season to uh, BYU and St. Mary's, uh, they have dropped out of the top 25. Um, and that does remind me, real quick before we continue, touch on a little West Coast Conference love. How about BYU, St. Mary's getting some good wins early. San Francisco's undefeated. There's been a lot of talk of San Francisco being pretty good. Um, so definitely a good start. Uh, for the West Coast Conference, and I'll be interested to see. Um, man, I mean, I, I would think in any other year, maybe it would, you know, give Gonzaga a little competition. Obviously, it doesn't look like it this year uh, with how dominant they've been. But you know, I think going on the yeah. road, you know, Zags going on the road to St. Mary's or BYU or San Fran could be interesting this year. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also fair to say that, um, you know. When you're like a mid-major respectable team like Gonzaga, everyone's always trying to find reasons, you know, to like kind of like put you down. Right. But I mean, they're hosting good games. They're 
going on the road for neutral site games. They're handling business against UCLA and Texas now. And now if their conference is better and they take care of business, I mean, this might be like the way too early prediction of like, I mean, there's your champion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that solid of non-conference games and a weak conference has always been the thing that, oh yeah, Gonzaga's not that good. But I mean, if you put those two together, they could be primed for a good run this year. Try to get right back to where they were and finish the job this time. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I mean, I, I think um, they're definitely going to have more tests throughout conference play this year than they did than they have had in previous years. So I'll be interested to see, um, you know, what that brings for the Zags. Um, but yeah, and I, I would say too, I mean, more than just handling business, I mean, they are murdering teams. I mean, like, yeah. like they killed UCLA last night. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely be interested to see kind of what, um, you know, what the rest of their their non-con and, and early conference play brings. Um, moving down the list uh, tonight, another ranked matchup. UConn and Auburn should be a good one. I'll definitely be tuning into that one. Um, that's a one thirty uh, Central, two thirty your time, uh, Columbus boy. Um, uh, tip time there on ESPN. So definitely a nice little afternoon matchup. I do love these Thanksgiving week games. Get some afternoon games, those midday games. Always fun to have those on while you're just going about your day. Um, Seton Hall plays UC Berkeley or California or Cal is it's most most well known. Um, California's two and three. They're already under 500. So Seton Hall should take care of business there. Baylor's got Arizona State. Um, Bobby Hurley is not one to back down easily, so I'll be interested to see uh, what Hurley has done with that Arizona State team uh, since the loss of their star guard, Remy Martin, uh, to the University of Kansas. But we'll definitely be interested to see what they can bring. Um, Again, Baylor, number six in the country right now. I want to see how good they are, really, truly. Um, So we'll, we'll see what they have to bring tonight. Ohio State and Florida. Florida just sneaking into the top 25. Ohio State just slipping out of it, so should be a good matchup there. 7.30 tonight. Um, and then Memphis, Virginia Tech's the other big one. Um, that's going to be the the second game to the NIT season tip-off, as well as that Xavier-Iowa State game. Um, and then, obviously, winners move on uh, to play each other, so a possibility of a top 25 matchup in the championship there or in the third-place game, of course. Um with uh, Xavier and Memphis. Looking forward to Thanksgiving Day. Um, nothing crazy on the schedule. Uh, the first two of the the first two games of that ESPN events invitational are on Thursday. So we've got North Texas, the Mean Green. I always thought one of the best mascots in college basketball. Love the Mean Green. Um, take on Kansas, and then Alabama has Iona. Uh, don't forget that is a Rick Pitino coached Iona, so you never know what they can bring. Um, actually funny, that was the first round, uh, matchup in the tournament last year, Alabama and Iona. Um, so definitely something to keep an eye on there. I always thought, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't going to happen because Alabama was just so, so good last year. Um, but I was, you know, definitely a suspect and I wouldn't have been shocked, uh, if Iona got the upper hand in that early tournament round game last year. Um, but again, point being, um, so Alabama, Iona will be in the afternoon there. And then looking ahead to Friday, obviously all of these, we don't have the matchups yet because all these tournaments will kind of develop as the week goes on and we could get some pretty good top 25 matchups in there. Um, but big one on Friday, uh, Gonzaga continuing, uh, to 
bolster their strength of schedule. They have Duke on Friday at 9.30 p.m. on ESPN Central. Of course, 10.30 your time, Graham. Um, definitely one, definitely one, you're, a great game. Yeah, definitely one you're going to want to keep an eye on. Um, I think this is – Texas has, you know, their their own, you know, issues, I guess, you know, with, with the first-year coach and with having some, you know, a little bit um, – Still a little bit of an uncertainty, bringing in a lot of transfers, stuff like that. UCLA, people doubting if they're going to be all that. Um, and that kind of thing. This, I would say, is the first, like, all right, this is a Duke team that has all the talent, that has all the pieces. Obviously, a Mike Krzyzewski coach team, obviously on his, you know, farewell tour, as we all know. Um <laughs> So it'll definitely be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a great matchup, and I can't wait for Friday night. Yeah. With these, um, like, final, like, tournaments going on and, like, Maui Invitational and Battle for Atlantis should be starting up soon. And then you have, like, you know, Big East, Big 12 Challenge. and Yeah, that's that's the next Big week. 10, Big, Big 10 ACC, ACC is those. next week, too. Yeah. The, the, those games will be definitely interesting to see where, like, um, the tier two and tier three of college basketball line. It's like right now, I think you could, you can include Purdue. It's probably Gonzaga and Purdue definitely look the best. And then you have a lot of gray area of teams losing to other top teams underperforming against inferior teams. So these next few, I'd say like week, week and a half are going to definitely show what teams are here, what teams aren't here. And that kind of stuff. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, looking through that weekend, um, nothing else crazy on Saturday. Again, all these brackets are going to kind of develop, so we'll just have to wait and see um, on what some of those matchups end up being. But Saturday, Sunday, nothing scheduled as of now as a separate, um, you know, big matchup or anything like that. Um. But yeah, so all right. So to wrap up here, we got a couple more things we want to hit on. Obviously, the Musketeer Minute we'll finish with. But first, um, do want to touch briefly. Again, a uh, little bit old news because this did happen last week. Um, but we wanted to make sure we packed it all into one pod for you. Uh, conference realignment news. So Loyola Chicago is out of the Missouri Valley Conference and in to the Atlantic Ten. Um, Graham, your take? Anything big? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great move for Loyola Chicago. I mean, they've proved since that first Sister Jean run that, I mean, this is a respectable program that was built off the back of their great coach, Poor Moser, who's now gone. He's at Oklahoma. But, I mean, they still have a great culture and great players that want to play for that great team. Um, I mean, right now, they're 4-0 first in their conference um, without playing any games yet. But, I mean, they have some good non-conference games to kind of showcase what they can see. Um, most notably, they do play at Davidson this year. Um, well, which will well, be cool, a little A-10. A-10 preview yeah, there, yeah. Exactly. Um, and they have at DePaul and Michigan State um, today, actually. They play Michigan State today. And then at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, this is a team that, I mean, they've been running through Missouri Valley Conference due to great coaching and great players. Now, you, you know, you remove some of their 
better players. You remove the great coach. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but and I think the A10 is a good conference because, I mean, you look at every other major conference. It's always like there's one to three teams that you can always expect to be at the top. Now, uh, like for the A10, I mean, it, it it changes really, depending on what players are doing well, what cohesion is working. Um, past few years, obviously, like injuries and quarantines and that kind of stuff's played a fact. But I mean, this year, I mean, it's St. Bonaventure's like living in their own like country, yeah, not absolutely. even like rooms. It's like St. Bonaventure, steep drop off of just scrappy teams trying to scrape together a few wins. So it, it'll be interesting to see how Loyal Chicago will fit into that because they're definitely a respectable program. They're very good last year. They beat great teams in the tournament. So it's, I don't think it's fair to say that, oh, yeah, they're coming from Missouri Valley Conference, take a step, slight step up to the A-10. They're not going to do well. Like I think they will do well. It's just a matter of how long will it take for them to do that. I agree. And I think, I mean, a couple of big things are, I mean, I think number one overall, like their facilities and their campus are beautiful. Like I don't know how it hasn't been a mid-major power already, um, and I think that this step is just something that's going to bolster that. Um, I am interested to see that, like, I I do think the A-10 is a great conference. It's definitely, you know, you're moving from, obviously, a one-bid league in the Missouri Valley, except for last year because Drake did sneak in there. But you're moving from a one-bid one big league, uh, for the most part, in the Missouri Valley to definitely a multiple big, a multi-bid league uh, in the A-10. But I do think it's interesting, like, you know, um, they're like if you were to put them in the A10 right now, they would still be the best team in the A10, arguably. I'm um, outside of St. Bonaventure, which again they're kind of doing their own thing this year. Um, and then like computer number, computer number wise, they're right there with Bonaventure. So definitely something to yeah. keep an eye on. I, I think it is interesting. Um, kind of moving to being again, you know, as of right now, the top team in that conference. We'll see uh, if that continues. But you know, again, multiple bid leagues, so definitely something you know. Definitely a, a net positive there, um, but interesting to see that. And then repercussion-wise, outside of the A10, so again, so that moves the A10 to 15 teams. They are they want to sit and hold at at 15 teams. Um, there's some speculation as to if the Big East, who is currently looking to add one more team to get to 12, uh, and they want to keep it at 12 once they get there. Um, there was some speculation to see if the Big East was going to take a team from the A10. Um, there were a couple teams discussed. Dayton was discussed. Um, St. Louis was discussed, uh, mostly for um, religious uh, affiliation. But again, um, those were all kind of backed out, and the and the Big East backed out on on any A10 teams. It's been yeah, reported. I, um, sorry, go ahead. I mean, I love my A10 teams, but I you read these teams and like you just think of specific years, there isn't like a respectable program quite there. Like, I don't think that any of these teams belong in the big East. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree there as well. Um, and yeah. And, and so it's been reported that the big East uh, has honed in on one and uh, one only uh, team to add is that 12th team. And I mean, it is Gonzaga. And I, I again, we've talked about this a couple times before. Um, I would love to see it happen personally as a as a Big East fan and a and a Big East um, stan, if you may. Um, but I 
I would be I would be intrigued to see it. I just don't see how you know you can fly the you know the men's golf team from yeah you know exactly Orange Beach, New Jersey to Spokane, Washington every year. Or if you're Gonzaga, you're flying all of your teams out east all the time. I mean, I just don't see how that's financially stable. Um, cause most of those, most of those athletic departments, crazy part is they're already losing money anyways. Um, so just will definitely be interesting to see, um, what they do there. Um, but yeah, so again, I, I, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, but definitely interesting to see that the Big East is honing in on that one, um, that one specific team. And they're going to really try and make that Gonzaga move happen. Um, mm-hmm. outside that, uh, Missouri Valley wise, um, they're looking to add another couple teams to kind of, you know, uh, soften the, the blow on that loss of Loyola Chicago. Um, they've narrowed it. They, they will be getting uh, Belmont here in a couple of years, but they've narrowed it down to, they want to look at Murray state. Um, a kind of almost an obvious addition. If you're, you know, if you're going to bring on Belmont, maybe try and bring on Murray state too, two great, um, programs coming out of the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, um, and then also Kansas City or UMKC. I, it's funny, I'm from Kansas City. Um, to me, it's always been known as UMKC, um, like University of Missouri, Kansas City. As of recent, all of like everything on like score, ESPN scoreboards and everything and how they've been you know, read by you know sports reporters and stuff like that is Kansas City, so I don't, I don't know. Um, Let's decide on a name, please, before we make any movements. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, so it's sure. looking like uh, Kansas City is also going to be discussed as another team to add to the Missouri Valley. Um, uh, they did just get a big win over Missouri, uh, University of. Um, so definitely interesting uh, – or, excuse me, sorry, University. Uh, but definitely something uh, interesting to keep an eye on there. Um, so, yeah, I mean – and the big thing with Kansas City that I heard is uh, just facilities. Um it's a great city for it. Great location. Um, just need better facilities there from Kansas city. And they, they need to see that they will absolutely be working on those facilities, uh, to even be considered to be added to that MV or that Missouri Valley conference. So that kind of wraps uh, conference alignment. Let's grab me anything else to kind of touch on there before we get to the must share minute. And uh, no, I think we're all set there. All righty. Well, I'll let you kick it off. Let's, uh, let's take it, take a trip back in time. Uh, Muskers did take care of Kent State at home. I think that was a huge win. I, I it was close all the way through, um, and then the the Muskers really opened it up down the stretch. So it was good to see that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll let you kick off the main course for us. Yeah. So I mean, it was all Xavier for a long time. Then halftime, Ohio State like went on their little bit of a run, and it was like a close game. But I mean, Xavier really showed everyone like what they're supposed to be doing um like i think it is pretty amazing you know paul gets blocked a few times by ej liddell and still doesn't stop him from using his offhand go up at him in the clutch and then you know you get a huge win against ohio state that has been underperforming but still i mean you know not many times has Xavier got the chance to play a ranked team at home um, and win. So that, that's a great opportunity for the boys over here. And then to not to not lean off the gas pedal at all. I mean, that Norfolk State team, while they were 5-0, and not the best team based on who they played. But, I mean, still to play a 
good, well-coached team, blow them out by 40. And then you have a few days off before you head into New York City where you play a kind of a question mark team in Iowa State right now. I mean, like, they're playing well and they're winning. This is Iowa State. I mean, they're playing well. They're winning against pretty crappy teams, but in the way that they're winning is like, oh, okay. I mean, so I think this game, I hope, it doesn't get lost for the Musketeers that this isn't just an Iowa State proving game. I mean, like Xavier's ranked now. I mean, the time is now to get a big win and then prepare for whoever you have next. Right. I hope that we don't lax a little bit when we play like another team after, you know, the 40 point win and now we're ranked and I mean, so it'll be interesting to see how they prepare for this game tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I would agree, uh, you know, coming into coming into the game tonight. And, yeah, I mean, Xavier led wire to wire in that game against Ohio State. Um, you know, big performances. Nunji, you know, leading the way with 14 points. Tied with Paul Scruggs also with 14. But I think it was nice to see that leading scores in that game uh, were only 14 points. You know, it was nothing. No one had a crazy, ridiculous performance. It was just a really good overall team performance. Um but yeah, I mean, Xavier led from the jump, getting out to a, a 10-2 lead early, uh, leading by nine at halftime, and just really taking care of business in the second half, I think. Uh, it was good to see that. Uh, but I really do believe that, that the Cintas Center made made that much of a difference. I mean, that place mm-hmm. was rocking on Thursday night. And, I mean, if you go back and watch the broadcast, you hear, I mean, Raftery was on the call. He couldn't stop talking about it talking about how loud it was how great it was to see the the fans back in full force and all that so uh, while while bill raftery you know we all love him but he is a man um definitely known uh for uh maybe some exaggeration here and there uh you know definitely something to keep an eye on and uh definitely definitely worth noting that he you know he does have a, a very valid point there um in that that it was a rocking atmosphere in Centos on Thursday night, and it was, I, I mean, it was. I, I really do think it made that much of a difference. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously all the way down to that. I mean, that dunk by Paul Scruggs was filthy. I mean, for sure, with his off hand, with his off hand, left handed on EJ Liddell, the you know Ohio State's best player, who had. Um, who had uh, how many? We had eight blocks that night. I mean, are you kidding me? You're gonna go yeah, on. Yeah, two gonna or go, three of them were on Paul. Right, you're gonna go dunk on a guy that has eight blocks tonight. Two or three against you. I mean, like that's unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. So really cool to see that, um, and and just I mean, really cool to just hear the top blow off Centos at that moment. Um, I don't know how it was from your perspective, but from the front row of the student yeah. section, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> And to add on to that, I, th- I think it's been pretty established now that Nunji's like getting back into like the groove of things after the injury. You know what you're getting out of Nunji. We've seen for now four plus years, you know what you're getting out of Paul. Colby's coming into his own, you know what you're getting out of Colby. The Norfolk State game proved that like, while it's an inferior team, if Nate and Kunkel are like, playing well and then on top of it shooting well i mean 
that that is a really scary team and i think that this new york new york trip is a great opportunity to um really like put all the pieces together yeah and just because then after that you have um oklahoma state on the road in Stillwater, which is going to be a tough environment and then you come back after that road trip all the way to oklahoma and you play um an underrated gc team led by wes miller so i think that there's a lot riding on this trip to get everything down all the bells and whistles see who's playing well build some confidence because i mean the team for the past two games is the team that like people wanted to see right but can, it is not the time to revert back to like i'd say two halves of niagara and a half of a half of kent state yeah. so like no reverting back you gotta keep pushing gotta keep forward the 40 point win and the 25 next year name shouldn't like change this big trip i would agree um Definitely, I think they need to go in with the attitude of still they they have something to prove. So mm-hmm. definitely, we should see what um, what the Musketeers can bring from that. But yeah, I mean, Kunkel eight threes on Sunday. Um, guy was absolutely filling it up. So we'll be interesting to see um, how those performances continue uh, through this trip to Brooklyn. So that kind of wraps it up. I did want to, um, obviously, Graham, if you have any final notes, uh, feel free. But I did want to wrap it up uh, real quick with just a quick shout-out. I don't know if you saw it, um, but it was great to see Dickie V back in the booth last night. Um, just the most upstanding individual from what I've heard you know, in the college basketball industry. Uh, just a great guy. Uh, as, as polarizing as his commentary may be sometimes for some, uh, for some consumers, just great to see him uh, and the emotion he showed before the game last night. It was really, really incredible. Um, so I just wanted a quick shout-out to him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, D- Dickie V is college basketball, and it, and it was really cool. I got, got big-time chills seeing him uh, give that little speech before the game last night. So, yeah, it was, as he would say, awesome with a capital A uh, to see him back in the saddle last night. So, For sure. All... Definitely good for the sport to have him back. Yeah. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, we will wrap it there. Um, pretty good, I'd say, time wise. We did well. We're at 45 minutes, catch up on two weeks of hoops. Um, but now we will, I promise, be more disciplined uh, with that two weeks or with that once a week, um, every Wednesday, hopefully, as best as we can. Um, but yeah, be looking out for episode four about a week from today. And uh, yeah, again, we'll try and keep it on that Wednesday track. Uh, Graham, have a great Thanksgiving, buddy. Uh, good to mm-hmm. see you. Sure. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll keep you updated, but yeah, Norwood noise podcast once a week, every Wednesday, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in.